if there's now a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in that property, and they're only lending the money out at three percent, which is where rates are across the board right now, how motivated do you think are the banks are to collect interest on those properties that are sitting on a hundred thousand dollars spread? It's like, do I want to get this, you know, little chump? Right. Do I want three hundred bucks a month, or or do I want a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity? Thank you. Uh-oh. It's not even a toss-up, right? right? So what Peter is alluding to here is that the lenders are setting up for the largest equity grab in the history of the United States of America. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Turn it up, turn it up. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The tides are turning, the time is now. You're home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to invest in foreclosures. Don't you dare buy a house, buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. Right now, yeah. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. I am your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, none other than Donnie Corum. Recording live from our downtown studios with my executive producer and all-around badass, Mr. Jonathan Winston. How the hell are you, man? Everyone, what is going on? It is another beautiful day in Colorado. We are transitioning into, you know, we're in the fall slash about to be winter month. So, you know, I'm liking that. But all in all, man, things are good. Went to a pretty cool event uh, in Denver on Sunday. Vibes in the park. Just a whole bunch of people hanging out, listening to music, you know, having yeah. some drinks, enjoying the state tree. You know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Not that we talk about the state tree here, but uh, yeah. You know, it was just a very, a very welcoming vibe. And... It was all it was all black, black orchestrated, no no beef, no trauma, no anything. So it was just a lovely experience that I was able to be a part of. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because obviously, you know, a couple of black guys here. When you have an all black sponsored event, like it does kind of like you're worried about like, is that is that it's like you don't want to think like that. Right. But at the same time, it's like that guy is wearing a nice pair of shoes. Hopefully. Yeah. He's, he's too those, clean to get in there. Yeah, hopefully those people don't step on his shoes. Cause something, right. might happen. Cause something real bad could happen. Right. It's just kind of how we are. So that's a good thing, man. It's, it's nice to see events, music coming back. You know, you, you and I are both musicians. This is something we're super passionate about. The podcast isn't music, but we're super passionate about what we do here. But in the end, anything that requires greatness that we've been without it for so long, right? The culture is just kind of, we we're not able to go to sporting events for many years. That's just coming back into vogue again. Football season has started. The Broncos just signed a new quarterback. I don't necessarily want to head down that road. So I'm just going to get upset with y'all, <laughs> okay. but it's uh, it's interesting to see that we're getting, it's starting to feel normal. Would you, would you say that you're trying to feel bit. normal? They're, they're trying to, you know, sprinkle in things to, you know, eradicate the normalcy that we've, you know, got so far. Right. But you're right. It is. It's starting to feel like, you know what? I remember how to go out. Like, I actually know how to do this. And I'm not afraid to anymore, right? Because yeah. you're not going to get eyeballed because you don't have a mask on anymore, right? It, right. It's, it's just I'm a lot of things. It. I'm loving that. I'm loving that. Yeah, it's the upper way now where you see a person with a mask on, you're kind of like, what's wrong with you? Still? <laughs> like, still? Like, why are you? It? You just got nothing else to do? That's yeah. cool. You're in your car by yourself, driving <laughs> down the highway, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Let, let's get to it. The, we got an article from CNBC, and the title is Fed is Stoking Another Real Estate Price Bubble That Will Wipe Out Home Equity, Investor Peter Buchvar warns. 
Now, I want you to read the article because we always post these things, but one of the key takeaways from this article, and I'm going to give you a quote here, okay? Peter is, well, first of all, who is Peter Buchfar, okay? Well, Peter Buchfar is an analyst for a very large real estate advisory firm, okay? A lot of talking heads out in the industry. I can tell you with certainty, if you're getting your financial news exclusively from the, the likes of CNN Financial or, you know, some of the talking heads that are on the TV channels, you're probably not getting super good advice financially, okay? Their design is about spreading doom and gloom or spreading over positivity, but they're always going to spin the story one way or the other, okay? So Peter Bukvar is a, he's basically an investment analyst for a very large advisory firm that advises large REITs, hedge funds, uh, REIT being a real estate investment trust, people who spend a lot of money in real estate at the investor level, he's an advisor to them. So he works for a firm. They pay him, I'm sure, an atrocious amount of money for his advice. And here he is on CNBC telling us about an upcoming bubble that will wipe out home equity. Okay. So let's set the stage here, shall we? In the past, you have the lender. The lender is, it provides a mortgage. For those who don't know how the mortgage works, the mortgage is protected by a deed of trust as a document that basically secures the property as collateral. Okay. So when you're out buying a house, when you go to that closing process here in Colorado, where a title company state, other states do it with an attorney um, and an escrow agent type of situation. But here we go to the title company. You're signing all this documentation that basically we're going to give you $400,000 and you're going to get the deed to this property secured by the mortgage on the property with me so far. Pretty basic real estate terminology, right? Normally the lender wants what to do this loan? Well, they make money on the points, basically the origination points on the loan. That's the first way they make money. So when you get the loan, you're charged, let's just, we're going to, nobody's charging one point right now because the market's pretty competitive. But assuming you were making one point of the deal, you as a lender are making $4,000, 1% of $400,000 or four grand on the loan. Then you're making all these other junk fees. Okay. But what's the real trade-off here? Normally that money is, if it's like in a federally backed mortgage, like an FHA or a VA loan, that's money that's been sitting at the bank in deposit account that the FHA or the VA is insuring against loss. So basically, it's really low-risk money, okay? It's not making very much. Today's rates, which are about 2 to 3%, when they move it over to a mortgage, it's still not making much, right? But it's better than sitting in a bank account losing value. Does that make sense? Okay. So all this loan paper went out. A bunch of people bought houses. Why? Because one of the greatest markets we've ever seen, right? And the reason that was one of the greatest markets we've ever seen is the buying power of the buyer is higher than it's ever been. Well, that had an obvious and kind of negative byproduct. If everybody takes that supply of money at really low rates and they buy houses, what is logically going to happen to the price of houses? They went way up. Okay. We're now doing properties. There's this neighborhood in Colorado Springs where I'm from and we refer to it as Pikes Peak Park. But when I was a kid, we referred to it as the hood. Okay. And you did not go to the hood without being properly prepared for what could go wrong. Now I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Okay. So by comparison to the hoods in Brooklyn, where you're guaranteed you're going to get shot, Pikes Peak Park was never that bad, right? right? It was just one of those things where you knew to stay out of there. Okay. Right. When I was first getting in the business, I was buying properties in this neighborhood for about 80 to $90,000. I'm going to say that again. I was paying 80 to 90 grand for a three bedroom, two bath property in that neighborhood. Okay. At the time we were rehabbing them, 
10 grand, 15 grand carpet, paint, some basic stuff. You want to give an idea on year, we're talking 08, 09, okay, to give you an idea in perspective. So we're talking 12, 13 years ago. Those properties were bought for 80, rehabbed for 10 to 15, sold for 125, 130. It was awesome. Okay. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. That's when I got started in the business. Let's fast forward 12 years. That same neighborhood, the retail price of a house right now is about 350 Quite the jump. Quite the jump. Okay. So if you were one of the homeowners that bought a property in that 08, 09 era, you got a mortgage on it that was not near as aggressive as the mortgages are today. So you're probably four or 5%. Maybe you've refinanced down at 3%. So you got a cheaper rate, but you own this property for if you bought it for 80 and it's been 10, 15 years, you probably owe 40 or 50. Okay. Today it's worth $300,000, maybe three fifty. What's my point? Well, what Peter is saying in this article, and I really hope you'll take the time to read it. Okay. Because what he's saying is if the bubble pops, okay, if the prices continue to go up at some point, it hits a ceiling, a ceiling. We really believe we were at six to 12 months ago. We fully believed it wasn't likely that prices continue to go higher than they were, yet they continue to climb, okay? Pikes Peak Park hitting in the 250 to 280 bracket was shocking to those of us who have been selling those properties for much cheaper for so long, okay? Now they're in the mid-300s. Have we hit the top of it yet? We don't know. The, the, the reality of it is, is we don't know. So if you're the lender, okay, and you have a loan to a consumer for $200,000 because they, they refinanced that $80,000 house, they cashed out the refi, they bought that boat they've always wanted to buy because that's what most people do during high equity. They start buying dumb stuff with their equity in their home. Corvette, Corvette. Corvette, baby. Yeah, that new C8 looks hot. I live in a, you know, a $200,000 house, but I'm driving a $100,000 car and I'm happy about it, right? right? That happens more than you think, okay? If you drive through Pikes Peak Park, you're going to see a large collection of Escalades, right? <laughs> okay. It's just, you're going to see a ton of them, right? They're, they're out there. So people are balling out of control on their equity. If in the past, the lender wants to collect the interest on the property, they want to make that monthly payment at five or 6% where rates were back there. It was actually better for that money to be cash flowing monthly and getting a interest payment on. Does that make sense? They're making money from the money. Right. If there's now a hundred to $200,000 worth of equity in that property, and they're only lending the money out at 3%, which is where rates are across the board right now, how motivated do you think are the banks are to collect interest on those properties? They're sitting on a hundred thousand dollars spread. It's like, do I want to get this, you know, little chump? Right. Do I want 300 bucks a month or, or do I want a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity? Thank you. Uh-oh. It's not even a toss-up, right. right? So what Peter is alluding to here is that the lenders are setting up for the largest equity grab in the history of the United States of America. And how are they going to get there? Stage one, moratorium on evictions. See, a lot of people transition out of these lower-end neighborhoods into nice homes. They moved up in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? They rented out the property, the tenant, because they own that property either outright or they own it for so cheap. The tenant's now paying the mortgage on their new place or a large portion of that mortgage, right? They may be making five hundred, a thousand dollars a month in cash flow. Unheard of. You see, in a bad market, I wouldn't say bad. Let's go with a normal market. Our expectation when I was coaching people on buying their first rental property, I was explaining that you want to get to about two hundred, maybe three hundred dollars a month in positive cash flow. If you can pull that off, you're doing very well. The reality was most people were getting 150 to 200 bucks a month in cash flow, but you were targeting that higher number knowing you might not hit it. Okay. In today's market, the combination of low supply of housing, low interest rates, 
Okay. And if you had bought a house many years ago, you bought it right. Right. So you're sitting on all this cash flow, all this money coming in that you, you were able to offset. So they become landlords and they're happy about it because it's offsetting the, the place, a new place. But if this eviction moratorium lifts suddenly, which is what they're working on now, they're saying we're going to, you couldn't evict people for a long time because of coronavirus, right? You can't have sick people on the streets. People can't work, so they don't right. need to pay rent anymore. Go ahead. So you can't have sick people on the streets because there's coronavirus. Right. But homeless, sir. But, but I still see tons of homeless people on the streets, and none of them are killed over dying from coronavirus. Well, the hypocrisy is amazing. I, I'm not <laughs> doubting at all that this is stupid. I'm, I'm just telling you what happened. I'm not. Is it stupid? Sure. But most of what the government does, hopefully this will put a hit on me in saying this, but most of what the government does, if we're being honest, is relatively stupid. stupid right? So. You don't want you stop people from paying rent. Mom and pop landlord, okay, who have been not only covering that payment on the mortgage with that income, but also has been paying their mortgage hmm. with that income is not about to lose one house. They're going to lose two. Right. Right? Because they've been relying on that income. Now, hopefully, they didn't overbuy. That's not the American way. We do everything big, right? <laughs> right. Big steaks, big cattle, big hats. <laughs> Big serving size. See what I'm saying? We're big people. Just how we roll, right? But more than likely, hopefully they're able to make that one of those mortgage payments, but they're not going to be able to make two, at least not for long. Right. Right? So one, if not both of those houses, is going bye-bye. But where is it going? Well, what Peter is saying in this article is that it's going back to a very eager lender who has been doing the math of whether they want to collect 3% interest on the loans they have out there, or they'd like to pick up $200,000 worth of equity. If you're a large institutional bank and you're sitting on billions of dollars, billions of dollars of potential equity, and you can just take it. Give me my, give me that money so I can go do something else with it and make more money with it. And now you've been put in a position where people have been told not to make the mortgage payment or pay rent for a few months. You're trying to get tenants to get back into the mode of paying rent. The landlord is starving out. What Peter is saying, and not Donnie for a change, because normally this is me telling you we're heading for a massive crisis. Now you've got analysts at a very high level who are agreeing with what I'm saying and arguing the fact that, yes, yes, the lenders have been preparing for this for a long time. Hi, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. You know, one question I'm asked all the time is how do I get started in real estate investing? Here's the thing. In order to get into the game, you got to have access to the big data that drives the real estate market. After all, you wouldn't trade stocks without a trading platform, and you shouldn't get started in investing in real estate without DealHunter.io. DealHunter.io is an application that I use daily to find the best deals in the real estate market to to provide that information to my lending partner so I can fund those deals, to know how to fix those deals, to bring them in line with the market, and most importantly, how to sell those deals at a profit. So if you're looking to get started in real estate investing, head on out to dealhunter.io and sign up for a free seven-day trial of the PropStream application that'll separate you from other competitors of the real estate market. With that, this is Donnie Corum from dealhunter.io reminding you, don't buy a house buy a deal
Okay. Now, how do we benefit from this? This is not a show about negativity. If we know we're heading towards an economic crisis, okay, of some kind, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the proportion of it because it's either well beyond my comprehension of how bad it's going to get, or it's going to be relatively minor because we're insulated for it. Maybe there's enough equity in the market we're going to sustain. My crystal ball is broken. I don't stand before you today until you have all the answers, okay? What I am going to tell you is things are about to change. There's a bit of a climate change going on in the market, and at least one analyst is saying that he feels bad for anybody who bought a house in the last 12 to 24 months, they paid heavily elevated, price, elevated prices, right? He's saying that if you put 5% down, which a lot of people, at least in my town, did not because we have a lot of VA here. And, and thankfully, this is a blessing. The, the soldiers who buy houses here don't have to put any money down. I think that's a great thing. But if you're assuming you put 5% down and the properties drop at 10%, they're going to be in a world of pain. And I think he's underestimating how bad it's going to be. Okay. Their equity is going to be wiped out because they overpaid for the property. The person who has a ton of equity has now provided incentive to the lender to foreclose on that property because they don't want the 3% interest payment anymore. They want the mass amount of equity they can get in the back end. Okay. And the reality is exactly what I'm saying. These low rates, he goes on to say, is that they stimulated so much demand that the supply of houses couldn't possibly keep up. Whether it was builders who couldn't get materials or couldn't find labor to get enough lots or just the housing market in general, there simply were not enough sellers on the marketplace because a lot of people didn't want to move during coronavirus, mm-hmm. right? They didn't want to do showings during coronavirus. They didn't want strangers in their house. So you pulled all this inventory. Then you pulled the supply chain of the stuff you need to build more inventory. Lumber went up by 400%. Okay, glass, getting windows. The lead time went from, you know, we expected six weeks. Now we're talking about three months it would take to get a new pane of window installed, okay? So your supply has dropped to all-time record lows. Prices have gone way, way up. And the lenders, who are banks, mind you, and this guy works for a bank, basically, is saying that the what's going to happen next is arguably going to wipe out the home equity that's been created in the last couple of years. Now, here's the thing about buying late in the market. You kind of know that going in. I remember saying this on a show many months ago that, listen, I'm not telling you not to buy a property because I still think we've got some upside to go, but you need to understand that the risk of buying a property today is tenfold what it was buying a property five years ago right? Tenfold. Because if the market is trading at all-time highs, it can only go one direction. And I'm not talking about the band. The reference to my daughter, she's a big One Direction fan. Anyway, (laughs) it can only head one direction and that is down. Okay. So this article is explaining what I've been saying for a long time and that I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm not saying it's the end of the world. He actually goes on to say that we're still going to see double-digit growth for the next couple of years. Because there's not enough inventory. So it's not over yet. It's just that when it corrects, if you put 5% down and your property drops 10 or 12% in value, you're going to be upside down instantaneously. And then if you need to sell it, you've got agent fees, you've got closing costs, you've got title fees, you've got property taxes, you've got all these things are going to hit you if you have to sell during this reduced market. Now, right now, if you're at a property that you've lived in for a while, you're probably thinking, I'm not going to. 
I don't need to sell. I'm okay. That's great. Kudos to you. Okay. And if you're in a spot where that describes you, I'm, I'm really happy for you. There's a lot of people who aren't though. There's a lot of people who not only have not been employed for a while, they're now trying to go back to work. And because a lot of the employers have not been to hire people for so long, they're going out of business. So they're not coming back. Right. Right. So when these people turn around and want to go get jobs again, I know a lot of people just don't want to work. Okay. And the whole argument about there's not enough high paying jobs out there. I'm not going to work for slave labor rates. Yada, yada. I get it. It's capitalism. It's how it works. If you don't like what they're paying, I agree with you. Don't go back to work. Okay. But at some point you're going to have to go back to work because you got that rent payment. You got that mortgage payment. You got to feed your children. You got to eat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to have to go back eventually. And when they do, if those jobs aren't there, it's not no longer that they don't have to pay rent is that they won't be able to. Right. And the lenders are standing by right now waiting for this day to happen so they can swoop in and not just take back the three percent money that they've never been happy about. Lending money at that low of a rate was never the intention. It's not that profitable. Right. You got billions, if not trillions of dollars out there in mortgages making two percent yields. That's barely keeping up with inflation. The banks are not happy. And I got to tell you, banks are going to get happy eventually. And it's going to be at somebody's expense for sure. Thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the banks get happy will be because they're going to take back this equity and they're going to do it happily. They're going to enjoy the fact that they just foreclose on a property with a hundred thousand dollar balance on the loan. That's worth three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And yes, the property is going to need work. But I'll tell you as an investor, if you call me and tell me you got a house for sale worth three fifty for two hundred thousand dollars, I'll be down there to sign the paperwork before you finish the sentence. Okay, so the investors are going to swoop in as they already are. And they're going to buy up all this inventory at pennies on the dollar because that's the nature of the market cycle. The normal guy, I almost said poor guy, I don't want to say that. What I'm saying is your normal homeowner, Joe Schmo America, he's the one who's going to pay the cost for this. Not the investors, not the banks. Joe Schmo America is going to lose. The guy that saved that down payment to buy the first house and then had the courage to put that up as a rental and move into another property, he's the one who's about to get screwed right now. And it's not me saying it's Peter. Yeah, blame Bukvar, man. Yeah, Bukvar. Bukvar said us. You don't. You don't have that. A lot of people you're like Donnie. You're always so negative. Like, Listen, I'm just echoing what everybody else is saying. You think I want to be the bearer of bad news? I don't. Okay. I love the real estate industry. I love this economy. But I'm also kind of a big fan of America. Like the people who live here, who have worked very hard to be in the land of the free, who have used capitalism to build their net worth, and are about to get wiped clean. Okay. That's the reality of where we're heading. And the only way around it, to be honest with you, is to switch teams and switch to the investor side. So it's one of those, if you can't beat them, you got to join them kind of things. So if you're listening to this and you're just a retail consumer who wants to buy their first house, I respect where you're at. But we've been arguing for months, if not years, that buying your first house is probably not the smartest thing you've done recently. Okay. Things are now it's still better than renting. It's still better than throwing money away. Better to be part of the double digit appreciation than not be. So I'm not ultimately telling you not to do it. I'm just saying, as we end with every show, don't buy a house, buy a deal right now especially now that's always been the case, but right now you've got to buy below market just because to not do so may be financial suicide. Okay. With that in mind, in addition to your property, you may want to consider buying a couple others below market, starting to rent them out because when all these people lose their properties, there's going to be a shortage of rentals too. Right. Where are those people going to go? Well, with any luck, they'll be going to my rentals and paying 20% more than they paid last year. 
right? And that's not good. And that sucks. And I understand that, but it is good for me. So the question is, do you want it to be good for you as well? And the fact that you're listening to the foreclosure deals coach show tells me one thing is that you're interested in real estate from an investing standpoint. Your first step is to let go of your house, your home being a place to live and start to understand at a very deep level that it's the most powerful investment tool available in our country right now. Okay. And you're going to be on one side of the equation where all that equity is going to transfer to somebody. It's just generally the guys with the money are the ones who end up getting more of the money. Okay. So you have to become a person with the money or you have to be control of the equity. One of the two. And I don't have a good answer because your neighborhood is different than mine. Every market's slightly different. I can't tell you specifically where you're at on this cycle, but I do know this. Most, if not all the markets in the United States of America are trading at higher numbers than they have any time in the history of time. Okay. Like I think there's like one except like San Diego is one of the ones that actually it was more expensive in the past, which is hard to imagine, but it actually got right. more expensive for a while. If everything, if where you're at, if you're seeing that most houses are selling for more than they ever have, then what I'm telling you right now applies to you right now. And that means that we're talking 98% of the country right now is trading at higher numbers than they ever have before. A lot of that's being driven by low interest rates. How long do you think the banks are going to put up with 3% interest rates? Well, I've been saying that's going to change for years. It just hasn't happened. When that changes and then the foreclosure market kicks in, it's going to be a bloodbath, ladies and gentlemen, an absolute bloodbath. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't looking forward to it a little bit. Um, I made a lot of money in the last collapse. A lot of my investor partners made a lot of money in the last collapse. Okay. But I, I will tell you, I'm not looking forward to seeing the byproduct of the families that are, are devastated by what happens during these times. It's scary stuff. Okay. So get on the right side of this. How? Well, step one, buy a deal. And if you're not sure about how to buy a deal, you might want to hire a coach or somebody to train you. I certainly did. When I was first getting in the game, I reached out. I hired a mentor. I paid him to walk me through my first couple of deals. I'm so glad I did because I understand how that operates. That's why I am on the show right now and you're listening to me. Okay. That's my first step is get, get some advice from a trained mentor in the area. I saw somebody post the other day on one of my Facebook groups. Hey, I'm looking for a real estate agent to help me buy my first investment property. I'm like... All due respect, man. Bro. I'm not trying to be mean, but you don't need somebody who can pass a licensing exam. No offense to my agent brethren, but you need somebody who knows how to do this because they've done it. Yeah, our, we we love agents, but having worked with potential investors and new investors yes. who, who want to buy investment properties who have agent representation, it's usually doesn't uh, go well. It's usually an op, more of an obstacle as opposed to something that's going to benefit them or help them to actually get the deal done. So absolutely, and I'm not blaming agents for that. The training from our licensing exam does not teach anything about investing in real estate. What it teaches about how to do the contracts, how to follow the normal retail real estate market, and that we need trained people in that because it's, cool. it's, it's a complicated market. So I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's different. It's like selling luxury cars versus selling Hyundais, right? Like you need to understand if you're about to spend $200,000 on a Rolls Royce or whatever, you need an entirely different advisor right. on that purchase than if you're buying a Hyundai. You see what I'm saying? And both are necessary, but you need somebody trained in that. So that's what we do here on Foreclosure Deals Coach. We assist people 
on getting through their first couple of deals through our coaching product. And, you know, I'll save you the sales pitch. You're already listening to the show, but if you're interested in having that conversation, you simply need to reach out. We've got our uh, access right there on the show notes where you can set up an appointment, do a strategy call and see if coaching is the right fit for you in your current environment. But if you're not going to get coaching, my advice would be, and you're just going to buy a house right now. Don't. You know, and a lot of people are also saying this correction is coming. It's about to change a little bit. Listen, you got a place to live. You're raising your kids. They're going to school. You're feeding your family. Does it really matter what the property is worth? No, I guess not. You know, it doesn't really matter if you're sitting on a whole ton of equity, but it certainly is better if you are right. And it certainly is better if you're not upside down in your property. I think a lot of people are going to be in the months and years to come as this market corrects. So let's leave it at that there. I know that's not a super positive message to end on, but listen, here's the takeaway. You can benefit from this. You can profit from what's going to be one of the largest equity transfers in American history. A lot of people are telling us happen. The first thing is awareness. You got to know what's happening. You can't have your name, you know, your head in the sand. Real estate market is just fine. Life is just great. It is. Life is great. The real estate market is fine, but things are changing. This is proof of it. We got a lot of stuff going on. There's a housing price bubble warning. You heard it here first two years ago, but you're hearing here again, and I'm telling you it's on the way. I certainly hope you'll join up on the right side of that equation. With that, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach, thanking you as always for tuning in and reminding you now and always, don't buy a house, buy a deal. Want more of the foreclosure deals coach? Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more of the mindset, methodology, and tools you'll need to invest in foreclosures. Visit foreclosuredealscoach.com and text DEAL to get a list of foreclosures in your area.